0: And welcome to episode two of Real Perspective. Uh, This is the second episode of this podcast that is based on a YouTube show that is based on a podcast. And uh, if you missed the first episode, I know it didn't get released on Facebook. It's Blade Runner 2049. This is a bi-weekly podcast. Uh, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith.
1: And I'm Michael Morey.
0: And the format is that each week we take um, a topic and talk about it on kind of a macro level and then break it down and talk about it on kind of a granular level with a film or films that relate to the main topic. So you'll get a sort of um, topical discussion and then a specific film-related discussion in the second half of the episode. So last week we did, or two weeks ago, we did the films of Denis Wave, and then specifically Blade Runner 2049. This week is... Uh, just before the spooky times. It's uh, it's just before Halloween and so we're going to talk about horror movies and then some of our favorite horror movies. So, uh, horror is a genre that's been around, I mean, in literature for uh, centuries, literally. I mean, you know, Mary Shelley and Bram Stoker and all that and in film basically since the inception of uh of the medium uh horror has been a long-standing traditional genre um you know it's it's one that got its own section at the video store and i think that's because this is this is a uh, go with me on this this illustration is a little weird i think a lot of it has to do with the first film that screened really publicly for masses to see was sort of unintentionally a horror film, which is a train pulling into the station. And it was literally just a train pulling up to a train station, but people didn't know the medium in those early days. And they thought a train was going to come through the screen and come after them. And it scared people, <laughs> um, not the intent, obviously, <laughs> but, uh, you know, w- w- when you, when you talk about the movies, uh, there's there's this sort of phrase that comes along with uh with the adrenaline rush of that art form of you know and it's associated with like roller coasters and stuff too of like thrills and chills right and you say that about almost any genre of film um and it's essentially rooted in horror right that 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 phrasing um so mike what do you think it is about horror
1: as a genre that appeals to people I think it goes and appeals to something very primal in all of us, which is that I think we kind of thrive off of being in suspense and then surviving the suspense and we have a high from it. And, uh, it's probably going back to way back when we were cavemen or hunter gatherers or whatever, and we're being chased by a large animal and we go and survive or we're in a war and we don't get killed. There's this kind of, momentary release mm-hmm. and uh, we got those endorphins and satisfaction that comes from survival and even though we know that nowadays at least that uh, what's on the screen is going to come out and kill us um, it's there's still this tension that you feel for maybe a character that you care about or something like that if um, someone in peril and then them surviving it that we can kind of place ourselves in that situation mm-hmm. and empathize more intimately than perhaps any other emotion um, that being afraid of something and overcoming it, I think is a very satisfying loop to go and tell a story with. And that's the reason why people go coming back to it. Also, it's really effective to go and have dates on.
0: Yes, that <laughs> Um, yeah, it, I, I think that you hit the nail on the head. Everyone knows what it's like to be scared, right? Not necessarily of some masked killer in the woods, but ultimately it kind of doesn't matter what the vehicle for Mm -hmm. the scare is it's the fact that you are scared um it's it's like that tension followed by the adrenaline rush like if you go see a horror movie in a theater um the most common reaction is build up i you know the most common scene structure is kind of build up and then sort of the music stab or the scare or whatever it is and then ultimately if you have like a really good audience there's sort of a start like a collective noise maybe a gasp or a scream here and there followed by laughter and chatter right because it's like oh we survive. right it's still kind of like horror is a way to kind of bypass all the knowledge we have and just like get to something that's deep in the center of us um and the genre is it's a it's a really strange genre because it's probably the most popular genre of film yeah but it also has a lot of detractors also yes so and and a lot of vocal detractors you know like you don't hear a lot of people who are like i hate comedies (laughs) but like there are people who take a hard sense like oh i don't like horror movies um sometimes it's because they think they're cheese balls sometimes it's because they are too afraid of them um but it's it's just interesting how vocal people are about the genre, because if you, you know, I don't like super uh, surreal, artsy-fartsy movies, but I don't talk about that a lot unless we're talking about that specific subject. Um, but I feel like people people have very strong feelings about horror, because they know on the base level that it's supposed to appeal to those primal instincts.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of snobbery about it, mm-hmm. I guess is the way to put it, Um and also, I think that some people just are having a knee jerk reaction against the feeling that you get from a horror movie, which is being scared. Mm-hmm. And some people just outright they're like, "Well, I don't want to be scared." So you right. have people on both sides: the people who are too into their emotions and might f- and feel like manipulated by it, and then people who are like aloof and think that's manipulative in that sense. Right,
0: and ultimately. Y-
1: yes like (laughs) but that's then don't watch any movie is my response
0: to that because watching a movie is willingly giving yourself over to some sort of emotional manipulation yes um and you know it it, you get the same adrenaline rush when you watch like a good action movie right or if you see a really well done action sequence you're not Mm -hmm. scared but you're excited you know it's a really exciting thing um i think also you see these kind of major movements in horror throughout the years you know horror much like sci-fi like we talked about often holds um a lot of societal weight in terms of what we're scared of um you know the, the the classic universal monster movies from the 30s uh like frankenstein and dracula and the mummy they all focused on these one classic stories but two classic stories with what sympathetic monsters
1: yeah
0: um and so when you when you have a a, a, you know you're in a real weird place when you watch one of these movies because you're you find yourself actively rooting for essentially the villain of the piece but then you kind of are like are they really the villain did like you know if you look at frankenstein's monster he didn't have a choice like he didn't ask to be created is he really the villain of this story or is it Dr. Victor Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. who is the one who forced life upon this dead being? And now this dead being has to cope with that.
1: Are we the real monsters? Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, or, you know, uh, the Wolfman, like he views his, you know, he views his, his, he views his, his transformation as an affliction. Mm -hmm. He's consistently wanting to be confined when he knows the full moon is happening he does not want to hurt people um and then you transition into the horror movies of the talking period of uh, well of the the um the 50s i guess and you find a lot of societal fears right you see a lot of like uh
1: Invasion of the Body invasion Snatchers. Invasion of the Body
0: Snatchers. You get a
1: lot of sci-fi, sci-fi horror. Sci-fi, right. Um, you know, like which is... The fear of aliens and the other kind of taking over... Communists. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, c- communists and illicit substances. Those mm-hmm. are the two big movements of the 50s, right? Yep. You know, Reefer Madness, a horror movie based around uh, marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um for the day the earth stood still right uh
1: this fear of nuclear annihilation right. going on in
0: that right which was a very real problem um <clears throat> and then you get uh into the the, the 60s and 70s and uh, in the 60s you get a lot of foreign movies starting to come over um that's you know you get a lot of italian horror coming over and so then you have a lot of um those fears coming over and a lot of those fears were very colonial you know um the the uh the horror movies of the 60s that came from italy are about finding lost tribes of cannibals that's that's like a lot of them or being put into an unknown situation where a bunch of weird surreal stuff happens around you like suspiria the dario argento movie um and Then in the 70s, you get introduced to sort of the slasher genre, which is takes away the sympathy and empathy for the villain, right? It's they're just this murderous machine, uh, even down to something like Jaws, right? Like Mm -hmm. the shark is not painted as a tragic anything. He is a killing machine that must be stopped at any cost. Kind of like Vietnam right like <laughs> you, you you sort of see how the how society reacts to this uh-huh. um in the 80s you get uh oh also in the 70s you get zombies that's the that's one of the big ones you know uh romero brought about uh mm. zombies in uh what's dawn it on the Dead. dawn of the dead well there was not a living dead oh okay that's right right and that kind of that was the first one but then dawn of the dead really brought it into its own hills have eyes you know you get um mutants and zombies and um you know guys like craven and carpenter bringing these sort of grotesqueries to the forefront and that you see reflected the sort of rampant consumerism, um, you know, it's they're all borderline anti-capitalist stuff, you know, like Dawn of the Dead taking place in a mall. Mm-hmm. Some of it, uh, civil rights uh, allegories of, of, you know, um, the black person always dying first and not really having a fair shot uh, on, in these white casts. Um, you know, not and, and that's not every horror movie, you know, like I, I fail to see any sort of social commentary, maybe about mental illness in something like a Halloween. Mm hmm um and then in the 80s you get these really paranoid movies like the thing or they live the this idea that there's something behind the veil right Mm -hmm. that there's something behind the iron curtain if you will um and then in the 90s you just kind of get a bunch of goofy stuff because the 90s was super goofy (laughs) (laughs) um and now what you see is a lot of reflections on the war on terror and you know um these sort of gritty uh but ultimately hopeful films um i think that's been a lot of post 9-11 horror has been you know dire circumstances that people come out the other end ultimately changed for the better for and there's been some loss along the way and maybe the thing is still lurking in the background but for now they've overcome it
1: yeah um also because they need to go and have sequels to play, also because so. they're all franchises now. Yeah. <laughs> um
0: you also have the advent of torture porn which is honestly i think just special effects showcases <laughs> um you know uh,
1: saws and all that yeah. right
0: right um and a lot of those came from the same people like james wan did their first saw which is is a horror movie, but it's not the, you know, it's not the bastion of torture porn that the films that he didn't direct in that franchise are. It's more psychological. Um, So, Mike, what do you think about these movements
1: of horror? I mean, I, it's kind of like how sci-fi can be used to go and examine mm-hmm. societal issues. Um, It's not really about the sci-fi. Like, if you've ever watched right. Star Trek, it was never really about, oh, they're going to a new world where they're examining yeah. unexplored concepts. It's really about examining our humanity and our culture but doing it in a way that maybe is subtle or maybe goes and proposes how ridiculous it would be if we took this idea or this concept to its fullest extent and i think that's a really useful concept when you go and combine that with uh our base fears about things Mm -hmm. which is represented in horror as well um it's a good way to go and add some reflection to it and that's why it's disappointing when some horror movies go and settle for not really being about anything. Which is my problem with a lot of slasher fic- flicks. Sure. which Is that there's really nothing going on there. Sure. In terms of the themes, besides survive and don't get killed by this guy.
0: Right. And there there can be some good survival stories. Um, I don't know if you've seen a movie called The Descent. Uh, parts of it. Okay, it's alright. Um, I'm not as high on it as a lot of people are, but that's a really good like survival story. And not not too much more, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I I I think slasher is a genre that I have not fully come to appreciate until maybe this last year. I did uh, this year. I've watched more slasher movies than I ever have, um, and I've watched. I I've always liked the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Um, I like Freddy as a concept. I like that idea of how helpless you are in your dreams like that's a really great hook for um a movie monster um but i had never seen any of the friday the 13th or the halloweens or the texas chainsaw massacres and i've seen all three this year and i've come to realize that those movies aren't supposed to be these heavy social commentaries and that's okay uh what they're meant to be are audience experiences and I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre alone with my wife and wasn't super into it. And I saw Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th sitting in row 13 of a movie house that dates back to 1930 in a sold out crowd. And it was a dang blast. Okay. It was so much fun. Uh, it was so much fun. And then a couple days after that, I watched Halloween in a crowded living room with a few of my friends, and it was still pretty fun, but I had the most fun in a packed house on Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's kind of, it, it took, I mean, literally until Friday the 13th of this year for that genre to click with me of like, oh, this is meant for the Friday night date crowd. Yeah. Got it. I see now, um, and so there's nothing like all of that is valid movie structure. But I think you know there, there's this concept. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcasts before. There's this concept of of art being able to open a window, um, and I really like that idea of like you know you can get pretty stuffy about not you specifically, Mike, but pe- <laughs> people have their yeah, hands. <laughs> sure, yeah, because you're a person who exists um but you know people can get pretty stuffy about certain ideas or certain things um and not like in a set in their ways but just like a like a like almost a superiority Mm -hmm. and i think anytime you introduce something disarming into that conversation it forces them to switch like to consider a different perspective for at least a second Mm -hmm. um i think you see a lot of comedy do that um not always satire um but you know often satire and i think you see a lot of horror um do that as well basically it it bypasses right when you laugh it's this kind of gut reaction to it when you get scared by a movie it's this kind of gut reaction to what's happening and then you become vulnerable and the best types of those movies kind of slip something in Mm -hmm. uh slip something in to to say about that while your quote window is open it's just like hey here's this yeah (laughs) just a a special delivery Mm -hmm. um for you um so there's this there's also this idea of horror and comedy being two sides of the same coin what do you think about
1: that Uh, I think it makes a certain amount of sense because I think both of those things are disarming. You you lower your defenses Mm -hmm. at something that's funny and you i mean i guess you kind of raise your defenses for a little bit of horror but then you lower it at a moment of relief mm-hmm. and so both of those allow you to kind of maybe be a little bit more open to something um that you wouldn't normally be to and in some ways i mean comedy is just the opposite side of maybe not the opposite side, it's the it's the other side of horror in terms of you survive, like, something that you think is going to be bad, and you realize how stupid it was, mm-hmm. and you get some sort of comedy at it. It's, it's There's this tension to a joke, and then on the other side of the tension is, ah, like, I, I survived the, the punchline yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. and I get it. So uh, there's a little bit of the same mixture of feelings about it. it was the reason why I kind of feel like you know, there's not much, uh, much difference between... Uh, you laughing and crying and you crying like while sad. It's kind of triggering the same sort of emotional impulse in you.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think and I think that's why horror comedies work. It's probably my favorite subgenre of horror. Um, and while we're talking about subgenre, what do you think it is about horror that lends itself to having so many subgenres? Because I feel like it that genre has more subcultures and subgenres than
1: anything else i think it's just because it's it's so malleable and uh, ill-defined mm-hmm. i mean just saying something's horror is like you're gonna be scared well i mean like most things in life will scare you yeah yeah and so it, it's a, it's such like a broad concept that you can fit a lot of things in there mm-hmm. that, i mean that's my speculation anyway
0: yeah that's a that's a good point i think you know and, and then you you divide You know, you devote these subcultures to it. Like, there are horror movie podcasts and blogs and zines and stuff. And there's a whole, like, scene around it. Whereas I don't think there's, like, a comedy movie scene or, like, an action movie scene. Like, outside of the creators who make those, there's that. But, you know, like, there aren't action movie blogs. Or if there are, they're not very popular. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk, like, most major publications have most major entertainment publications have a horror subsection that essentially operates as its own website. Um, You know, it's, 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 it is an industry unto itself, almost like Bollywood. Yeah. Um, And I think part of that is because there's an emphasis on creation in that. Yes. Um, You know, horror, horror directors and writers and stuff take a lot of pride in their work. Um, they really like that they get to be, they, they feel more boots on the ground than someone, you know, working for Marvel or something.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and not, not just cause they're caught in a Disney machine, but just because there's like, there's, there's a certain, um, craftsman element to a horror movie. You know, a lot of people, their first movie is a horror movie. Um, the one that puts them on the map is a horror movie, Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. Spielberg, um, you know Spielberg, his first three movies are horror movies. His three of his first
1: four movies are horror movies, right? Michael Bay. What? His <laughs> movies are tragic or horror horrifying in a different. Okay, way. all right,
0: <laughs> sounds good. I was like, did he do a horror movie that I don't know about? Because I feel like that would be the most relentless horror movie I've ever did seen. You, have you seen a Transformer
1: movie? Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: uh crap, I had someone else like someone legitimate. Oh, uh Shyamalan. Yeah. Um sure. mm-hmm.
1: you know, uh JJ? Uh yeah, JJ it's to a certain extent. Right, because
0: well, he, he well he ripped off that Spielberg movie. Yeah. Well, he also wrote Stuart Little. No, Shyamalan wrote Stuart Little. Uh <laughs> He wrote some kids movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, well it's, but i think jj took inspiration from early spielberg which was very horror oriented right
0: uh oh freaking uh matt reeves the guy that's doing the batman and did Mm -hmm. all those planet of the apes movies cloverfield was his first right um you know the guy did the
1: conjuring james wan
0: oh yeah well saw was his first oh right okay Um, Well oh yeah
1: i was just saying his name yeah, yeah yeah um so yeah i mean a lot of people who are directors go and get their start there um I mean, you were saying part of it isn't because the studio system it's not like Marvel or something like right. that, but some of it is also oh, because yeah, yeah. there aren't as much uh, big bucks put mm-hmm. into producing these things, which I think goes and gives them some leeway to do things without the interference of the studio. I mean, you go and look at the budget of some of the most successful horror movies, and they're not really that expensive to make. Yeah. So they don't need to go and be uh, restrained as much by the studio notes or something oh, like yeah. that. Um, so that's an element of it, too, which is kind of weird because horror movies make, like, bank. Yeah, they make so much they make money. Bank, but then they also don't usually have, like, really well-known actors at that time mm-hmm. attached. Yeah. I mean,
0: late.
1: Jennifer Aniston's in a Leprechaun movie. Friggin'
0: Matthew McConaughey's in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. But it's, like, when they were starting off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so it's, like, a good breeding ground for all this, like, young talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is interesting.
0: Yeah, so one thing I've never actually understood is how cheap horror movies are to make. Because they're really effects-driven. Yeah. (laughs) I've never understood that. And I know a lot of it's practical effects, and I know a lot of it is uh, just, like, food coloring and corn syrup. But, like, I don't know. When we were watching Friday the 13th, I was like, this movie costs, like, $12. I don't, like... (laughs) I don't understand how, and and it's pretty effective, you know, for like, just like a Friday night diversion, adrenaline thing. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I don't know, that seems at odds with it to me because I feel like an effective action movie requires a huge budget. Yeah. Um, and it's very similar in terms of the, the, the excitement it delivers to you, uh, so yeah, I just don't, I I don't know why. It's something I've never been able to wrap
1: my head around. I think the thing is that for at least the most effective horror movies, a lot of the fantastical stuff is implied off screen. Sure. Or, or it's cut like right before you see possibly like the big thing. And then maybe the last act you see more of whatever the you know, yeah, effect is. It reverses a of big sci-fi action movies throughout the entire runtime. So it's a little bit more careful how they deploy that special effect um, but it, it is interesting how it can go and probably be one of the more profitable ventures in Hollywood oh yeah um, for sure. because they just don't spend a lot on them.
0: Yeah I agree. Um, we're going to transition into um, talking specifically about some of our favorite horror movies but I have one last thing to say. And that is horror movie audiences. Stop it. <laughs> um, don't stop going to these movies. Just stop doing what you're doing at these movies. <laughs> uh, so horror movie audiences are th- like all at once the best and worst. Um, you know, I love one of the best things in a horror movie to me is people sharing this collective moment of tension, getting this, like, electric-y feeling from the audience, having the tension release, hearing the scream, hearing the laugh, hearing the chatter of everyone talking about, like, oh, crap, did you see that? I love, like, it's one of the only times I will tolerate talking in a movie theater and, like, be totally on board with it. However, a lot of horror movie audiences take this as a license to talk during the entire film that's not what you're supposed to do you're supposed to say like oh my god like after you know like that's that's it just like the the scare happens and then you go oh crap Uh, scared and then you keep watching the movie until the next time you get to do that (laughs) like there are there are built in points where you get to do that there is not like the movie theater when you go see a horror movie is not your own audition tape for mystery science theater 3000 like that's not the point um so oh my gosh so many of my worst movie theater experiences are going to see horror movies uh but at the same time so many of my best movie going experiences are going to see horror movies um yeah it's so it's this weird tension uh amongst the audience for those things and like you know, there's, I, I think it's because it appeals to so many different types of people. So there are, you know, the quote movie snobs, like I, I would fit into, um, that go and see these things. But then like m- a most general audiences really love going to a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And so it's, the, the, it's kind of this give and take that you have when you go see one of these things. Yeah. Um, so that's my, that's my horror movie audience's soapbox. Uh, Mike, what are some of your favorite horror movies and Why? The Ring. Really?
1: Yeah, I really like that movie. Oh
0: man, I hate that movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um it's been a while since I've seen it, okay? Same. Um That was probably like my first real horror movie okay. experience. Like watching it with a group of people, that kind of thing. And I know that's probably a little bit later than most people, because it's probably like only like I was like twelve or thirteen at that mm. time. But that movie, it really works for me. I don't know why. I just I like the way it's shot. I like the way Gore Verbinski like directed it. Mm-hmm. I think Naomi Watts puts in a really good performance. I do like
0: me some Naomi Watts, kind of across the board. But... Yeah,
1: I mean, true. She can elevate anything. And maybe that's partly what it is. Is yeah. that she elevates it so much? Uh, I think that the mystery in the movie is pretty intriguing, and maybe it doesn't, it doesn't go maybe the most satisfying directions, uh-huh. possibly. Um, with regards to like who the where the tape is who the girl what her mystery is how she died whatever Uh, but I was like enthralled with that movie the entire time I watched it Mm -hmm. and I although I normally don't like when horror movies kind of have like a bad ending oh uh huh uh, but you know what I'm gonna talk about which is like you kind of think there's like a happy ending at some point in the movie like about like 80% of the way through Uh, and then like the boyfriend dies like horribly (laughs) yeah and then it kind of continues from there I kind of like that in this movie. Okay. Like, it it bothers me, but then I also kind of like it. Okay. Um, Because I feel like it is really challenging, like, your expectations of where it's going to go from there. And I kind of like those hidden, like, secret fourth act or fifth act kind of movies. That's, like, a big thing with me. I like when they're like, actually, there's more to this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like how that movie wraps up by the end of it. I think it's satisfying, Um, while not the most happy ending that you kind of get the impression is going towards. Um, I like where it goes.
0: Okay. I really like the opening scene of that
1: movie. Yes. It's great. It's fantastic. It's
0: so well done. And then from, like, I think that might be why I don't like the movie is because as the mystery around Samara unravels, it loses a lot of the mystique that makes the beginning terrifying. Yes. Um, which I guess is the point, but I still don't like it.
1: I get it. That makes total sense to me. Uh, the moment when, oh, what's his face? Um, like that, the old British actor. Oh yeah. Uh, I forgot his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. It's Samara, I, I think Samara's that. dad. Yeah. Right. The moment he kind of shows up and then he kind of starts revealing stuff. It's like, eh, all right. Like yeah. kind of, he's a really good actor though. And then he goes and like dies in a really creepy way. And then I, I kind of get back on board <laughs> with it, I guess because of that. But, uh, it's not Albert Finney, is it? No, Brian Cox. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, Brian yeah, Cox is great. Yeah, the moment when Brian Cox shows up and he starts to explain some stuff, it gets a little less satisfying, but then he goes and, like, commits suicide or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah, then, and, yeah. And it gets kind of creepy again, and I'm kind of on board with it again, because yeah. it kind of reasserts the supernatural roots again. Uh, but the moment they try to kind of apply, like, real-world explanations to what's happening, it does lose steam a little bit. I won't okay. deny that.
0: Um, one of mine is probably my favorite. My favorite ever is Alien. I, know it's a, I was going to say that. It's a really cliche answer. I yeah. know it is, but it's so it's cliche for a reason. It's so friggin'
1: good. It's really good. <laughs> it's such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Only to be surpassed by Alien Covenant. It's, what? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's a really good movie. It
0: is really good. Gosh, that movie's so... It's just so tight, like, top to bottom. And it does... It does the 70s thing that I hate, but it's super effective, which is... I call it like shots of stuff doing stuff. Yeah. There's like a lot of docking <laughs> and a lot of unloading and a lot of gearing up, but like not in montages, just in real time. And it
1: all adds to the unease of this world. It feels really alien. It feels really alien. And also adds to the aloneness <sighs> mm-hmm. that you feel throughout the movie. Like, oh Yeah these people are all on their own yeah if they got, they're bummed. yeah <laughs> exactly and uh what i appreciate after seeing that movie especially in comparison to the two more recent alien movies that have come out is how the people in the <clears throat> first alien movie they act like real people yeah like they have like real debates about stuff they act like space truckers kind of yeah and they are. The, yeah. So they are and they're not having like this like Hollywoody kind of dialogue they're all like throwing one-liners and stuff like that they feel like real people and i think that really immerses you into the drama which is even though we're dealing with space and aliens and all this stuff they don't feel that far removed from us yeah and the kind of debates that we would be having if uh, a body snatching eating whatever was right. stalking all of us and trying to kill us so also it's, it's shot like crazy yeah uh, the last like 30 minutes of it or a roller coaster oh my gosh they're so freaking good like like just like the shots of like Rid- uh, ripley like running through like the halls with like the, the, strobe warning, yeah. the strobe lights and the warning signals like i don't think i've ever gotten really like that into a movie like in a long time yeah i, I mean first time
0: it's so good that james cameron ripped it off in titanic yeah <laughs> um, yeah and that's arguably one of the best scenes in titanic too um and yeah just like sigourney weaver as a character in that or ripley as a character is really great she's super relatable uh she just feels like a person like yeah. you said like i'll just feel like people like mm-hmm. it just feels like you're in, like there's this weird it's not it's not like a slasher film in that it's not voyeuristic but it kind of feels like you shouldn't be watching it yeah I get you it. know what i mean like it, it almost feels like you're like oh i don't know if i should have been part of this you know um it's just so great top to bottom the creature's super great he looks amazing uh that suit still holds up you know um the jazz hands part is a little ridiculous yeah a (laughs) bit (laughs) but i mean if that's the only complaint i have you know that's not saying a lot like john hurt dying is such a great scene like one of the all-time best horror movie deaths ever um just excellent body horror honestly throughout that franchise like even in the weaker entries there's like that the alien c-section in uh prometheus is awesome and i hate that movie like i hate that movie but that scene is great Mm. um yeah i okay so are you alien or aliens
1: Oh, Alien, all the okay. way. Okay, yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I might like about Aliens more is, like, the last 20 minutes of it. Yeah. Which is pretty solid, but that's also because it kind of becomes Alien. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. A little bit. Alien,
0: but in a robot Yeah, this time. right, yeah. 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 <laughs> I do like, well, what I like about the last 20 minutes of Aliens is it gives Ripley power. Yeah. Whereas she's powerless in Alien, mm-hmm. so it's, like... It's really satisfying over the two movie arc of Ripley.
1: Yeah. And it wouldn't work. The ending of aliens wouldn't work if you hadn't watched what has happened before. It's yeah. kind of like Terminator two. Where you kind of see Sarah Connor kicking butt. Right. You know, in the second one and well, but also she kind of loses her humanity in a way that Ripley doesn't, but anyway, right. it's, but it's similar. Right. Um, yeah.
0: You know, I think aliens far superior in every way. I, I'm not super into aliens. Actually. I think it's a little overrated.
1: I agree with you. Um, it's too long. It's aliens is
0: way too long and
1: then I also think that the idea that it kind of made the aliens into bugs that this yeah. can, can get like killed by sentry guns yeah it, it kind of weakened them versus yeah. like there was one menacing one that managed to go and take out a bunch of people in the first one yeah but it, I also realized that aliens was kind of the only direction they could go into like you can not yeah. just make another alien movie yeah it's like a very smart sequel I just don't like it as much as the first one yeah
0: I agree i agree um what else
1: okay so i kind of hijacked alien a little bit right um but that was also gonna be my choice so (laughs) um what else okay we got probably uh like the granddad of some of these the exorcist oh yeah i really like the exorcist it's great it's a really good movie yeah it's just uh, i mean i'm not sure it's really about much it's, it's about faith, faith, I guess, a yeah. little bit. I'm not really sure where it lands on that. I mean, I yeah. guess he, 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 uh, he, the characters kind of land on the side of believing again. I guess. Oh yeah, but, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. But then, like, they kind of die for it. But yeah. I guess, but that's also the sacrificial nature of the Christian faith. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I mean, I, it's like, I one like one of the most
0: myth. Catholic movies I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: actually. So okay, I was, I guess, I was wrong about there not being a theme because now I think about it, there was. Um, but it's also just a really like effectively creepy movie. Hmm. Um, and it also, is something that um, I like, which is that it's a movie that in the um, last like thirty or forty minutes of it, that kind it kind of just takes place in one location, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. it. And it can still make that one location extremely creepy and yeah. effective and oppressive, which I really like. Yeah, uh,
0: that movie is just great. There's really good performances across the board in it. Uh, Max von Sydow is awesome in that He's movie. Great. Um great. One of the one of my favorite things. So uh, I guess we we can't. I feel like we can't talk about horror without addressing something. Um, which is that we're both uh, believers in the Christian faith. Um, And I think the exorcist really like, I think horror movies have done more for my faith as a film genre than any other genre of film. Yeah. Um, Especially more than those crappy Christian movies. (laughs) I think, I think part of, you know, part of what, what, horror movies based around like demonic stuff um do is they kind of strip away any sort of pretense you have about those things yeah right they they lay it out bare bones like like the demon possession movies really 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 just kind of present black and white good versus evil in i mean almost the way that even star wars can't a little yeah. bit of like it takes all of it away and it's just like no god and demons they're all real <laughs> this is about them at war with each other uh-huh. <laughs> um and i love that last scene when max von Sydow dies uh because he doesn't matter whether or not he lives or dies to mm-hmm. himself like or to him he just rolls in there and it's just like whatever jesus yeah like it's so great like there's a moment where he just tells the demon to shut up when he's reading from the bible and it's like yeah
1: (laughs) it's so good and you know i think i first watched it when i was like in a weaker place with my faith okay and then now that i look back on it like i thought oh it's lame the guy who's the believer dies but then it's like oh no now i think about it like that's actually the whole point (laughs) yeah 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 like like that's not like a week ending that he goes and dies no like and it's not about like it it wasn't like disrespectful to christians or something like that the way i initially interpreted it to be so if anything it's
0: very affirming
1: yeah oh absolutely yeah
0: it's man that movie's really good
1: And and i agree with you in the sense that like I like it from the perspective of being a Christian, seeing these kind of demonic movies. Not because I like the Satanist <laughs> aspect, but, right. but I like I like seeing really good people like try to be beacons of light against like the encroaching darkness. Yeah, have you, you seen know? The Conjuring? No, which is the reason why. Like, I know we keep on talking about it. And I need to go see it for yeah. that reason.
0: Yeah. Oh man, it's great. Yeah. It's it's a really good movie in and of itself. It's this like throwback '70s movie. One of my favorite horror movies of the last probably ten years, but really good like definitely christian stuff happening in that movie um also have you seen the exorcism of emily rose no that is the movie that got me into horror movies that is the movie that changed my mind completely on horror movies it's a horror movie i don't care if you want to call it a courtroom drama it's also a courtroom drama but it is also a horror movie shut up (laughs) um it is it's the movie that really really turned me around because my best friend came up to me after seeing that movie and said, we got to go see this movie. And I trusted his opinion more than anyone else's because he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. And I was like, okay, well, he said, he said it was good. And I guess I'm going to have to trust him. not super into horror movies, but whatever. Uh, went to see it with his entire family, which is not a move they would have done but we all went on a sunday after church now that i think about it and uh i just remember being like this is a christian movie Mm -hmm. like there are new no two ways about it this is a christian movie and uh the director scott derrickson has since confirmed that uh, he Mm -hmm. considers himself a christian and definitely made this movie through that lens um scott derrickson who also did dr strange Mm. um very much considers him ingrained in that faith, and and that's why he made The Exorcism of Emily Rose. It's a great movie with a really, really strong central performance from, oh my gosh, what's her name? Dexter's sister. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I want to say her name's Emily something, but I think that's wrong. I want to say it's... I, well, now I want to say Deb something, but I'm pretty sure Deb is her character. Jennifer author. Carpenter? Jennifer Carpenter. Jennifer Carpenter. Really, really good in that movie. And so is the guy who plays the priest. Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson, who's awesome. I love Tom Wilkinson anyway, and he's awesome in the movie. Uh, that's a great one. So those are some of my favorites on the like spiritual warfare side of stuff.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, a demon movie that's not really like uh, as any really affirming thing to say about faith but i love is drag me to hell have i made you watch drag me to hell no not yet oh my gosh one of the funniest movies i've ever seen also drag me to hell is the best hands down my favorite movie going experience of all time. i don't know if i've told i think i've told the story on, on on the before and after show but our 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 town used to have a dollar theater. Um, so movies would play, and then right before they went to DVD, like in the last two weeks before they went to DVD, they would go to this dollar theater, and it was a dollar a ticket, and you would go see it. And I this is prior to me seeing the Evil Dead films, and I basically only knew Sam Raimi from the Spidermans, and uh, you know that sitcom, the Spidermans, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Some friends of mine had heard Drag Me to Hell was really good, and I was like, "Really?" Because it looks pretty whack. <laughs> and they, they took me to see it, and we went to see it at the Dollar Theater, and it was packed. There were so many people there. I think it was right around Halloween, and it's not—it's not a scary movie. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's a horror movie, but it's not particularly scary. There's like some really fun. It's a really fun movie, and it's really funny. It's basically a horror comedy. Um. but there are like legit moments of tension and like sam raimi is a good director when he wants to be especially when he's doing horror movies Mm -hmm. and so he like he effectively navigates that that fine line between horror and comedy really well but (laughs) every time there was sort of like a, a a more tense moment than anywhere else in this movie this lady from seemingly everywhere in the theater all at one time, I think she was sitting in the back corner, would just go, oh shit! (laughs) At the perfect moment. At the perfect moment. Like, every time it would have been appropriate to think that, she just verbalized it for the entire audience. And it was never not the best. Um, It, man, it makes me laugh every time I think about it. That movie makes me laugh. Uh... But I think there's also just, like, some great stuff in it. It's just, like, a really great, fun, funny horror movie. And... Which is kind of Sam Raimi's calling card, right? Yeah. Uh, with the evil dads. But for me, that's... To me, that's his horror masterpiece is Drag Me to Hell. I freaking love that movie. Do you have a horror comedy that you love?
1: I, uh, like Scream, okay. actually. All I, right. th- I think the movie's pretty clever. I think it's it's kind of fun. It plays a lot with, like, those slasher tropes in, in an interesting way. In not like a lot of movies in the '90s are very self-aware or meta in the way that, that movie was. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, maybe some of that impact's been lost because a lot of other things are meta you know, right. and parody other things. But I really liked how that was playing around with like the high school slasher trope stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a Wes Craven movie. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen New Nightmare? No. Okay. Do you know which one that one is? Mm-mm. So that movie it's it's one of the nightmare on elm streets mm-hmm. it's actually the one that he made right before scream and it's when west caravan was super into being meta um so what that movie is is it's the real world and they're making nightmare on elm street and and then freddy krueger actually comes to start murdering the people <laughs> on the set of nightmare on elm street
1: okay that's kind of great
0: so but also like a demonic version of Freddy Krueger possesses Robert England, who's the actor that plays Freddy Krueger. So there are scenes where Robert England is playing Robert England, playing Freddy Krueger, possessed by a demonic version of Freddy Krueger. Amazing. It's great. <laughs> it's like not as good as Scream, but I
1: love it. I mean, that's the thing I liked about those Wes Craven movies is mm-hmm. uh, like you had this master of horror. I mean, I don't have a master, but I mean, he's, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I he's, he's one
0: good. of the big three, right? Yeah. If you think about it, it's like Carpenter and Craven and uh, Sam Raimi.
1: Yeah. And you see him in full command of all the tropes that he's created uh-huh. and then using it against his own movie. Yeah. But also at the same time. Using it to further his own movie, like, yeah, it's the weirdest combination of things.
0: Yeah, he well, he's got a great cameo in Scream too as the janitor, mm. who's kind of the harbinger of doom, but also like really doesn't care either way what happens to these crappy high school kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not a super huge fan of Scream, but I, I do like that movie. Um, one of one of the first movies that I saw, one of the first horror movies that I saw, um is the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. I think that may be why I have an affinity for found footage. I know most people hate it, and most people think it's gone the way of the dodo, but that movie I saw kind of at the perfect age, even though I didn't realize it at the time, obviously. I was like 10, and I was fairly sheltered. Um, And I saw it when I was like 10 or 11, and my parents kind of kept me away from a lot of that stuff, but my sister-in-law was really into it, and a bunch of my cousins and I were sleeping over at my brother's house. And my sister-in-law showed it to us and it flipped us out we were all terrified of it and it like the the, the talk about appealing to something primal in a child brain uh that movie stuck with me man like not that i'm not even that scared of going out into the woods but when the new blair witch movie came out my wife and i watched the old one and i got a little panicky during the climax of the movie even though it doesn't super duper hold up that just triggered this like weird memory in the back of my brain of being like a helpless 10 year old again <laughs> uh and it like it was really good and really effective um so i think we have to end on one of the best ever the thing
1: yes okay that was gonna be my last one too yeah. yes okay. um
0: so the things the john carpenter movie uh john carpenter's m- hit or miss for me yeah. um really hit or miss for me i saw halloween this year and i liked it okay um yeah there's yeah. some like good stuff <laughs> in it uh it's i think out of the slashers that i've seen Freddy remains my favorite i still just love him as a concept um and then i i honestly think that the first Friday the 13th kind of builds on what Halloween was trying to do a lot better than uh-huh. what Halloween was trying to do. Yeah. Um I think there, that Halloween has a certain place in cinema history. Um it just kind of earned it uh by default for being the first thing to do that really. Um there's some goofy stuff in that movie. <laughs> yeah. There's some goofy stuff in that movie. But there's some really cool stuff in that movie too. There's a scene where one of the girl's boyfriends is like looking around and he opens the kitchen door and like Mike Myers just explodes. Not Mike Myers, Michael Myers.
1: Uh, (laughs) That'd be horrifying too. It
0: would be. But he just like explodes out of this kitchen door and like stabs this dude in the chest and pins him to the wall. And I was like, whoa, that was crazy. Just the, there was something about the way that the actor moved Mm -hmm. to come out. Like, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen like A slasher move that fast before and it was just like i was like whoa that was intense like that it wasn't like it didn't scare me but i was like that was badass like that was awesome um so there's like there's some really effective stuff in the movie and i think you can't fully write the movie off for that but there's like it's a little slow uh donald pleasance is really out of place in that movie.
1: this is kind, of it is kind of outdated it is kind
0: of outdated i think it is also a little bit a victim of people doing what it wanted to do better yes um you know it, it, and so it's one of those movies you have to take you know out of time a little bit uh but in 1982 right yeah he released the thing which actually has a cameo kind of in uh halloween it's a remake of a 1950s film called the thing that came from outer space and in halloween that's the movie that the kids are watching on tv and the movie that they like they get distracted by and want to keep watching so they're distracted by the killings Um, so clearly a huge influence on carpenter Uh, i've never seen the original have you uh no i haven't either um but he remade this movie and it's about this uh outpost in antarctica doing research where an alien life form kind of invades just the outpost and starts it's this alien parasite that takes over the bodies of different hosts and it kind of travels its way through the crew of this outpost Mm -hmm. and that's kind of it like (laughs) that's that's the pitch for the movie of just like
1: alien parasite murders all the people Mm -hmm. with extreme body horror extreme body horror. yeah like uh, to anybody who hasn't seen it it's kind of grotesque body horror and i'm not usually into that kind of thing uh ever but this movie i don't want to say i like it but it really feeds into that like fear that i have of like you losing control of yourself kind Mm -hmm. of thing um and it's the plot you're right is simple but I think it plays really well into partially some sort of Cold War stuff that's going on in the 80s, possibly, but then also this idea of, like, who can you trust? Mm -hmm. Because these people are trying to figure out like who among them is the thing de- they develop a test midway through the movie about the blood, test. the blood test yeah and some people don't want to reveal who if they are that mm-hmm. and uh, there's some interesting group dynamics that kind of come into play yeah
0: it's like your worst nightmare of working on a group project <laughs> yeah. you know it's like you know how like group projects are nightmares anyway it's that but also there's something trying to murder
1: everyone doing yeah. a group project <laughs> Yeah, it's like if your group leader was like, "Come on, just trust me, man. Like, like I got your back, right?" And yeah. then you're just like, "No," and then you like burn them with a flamethrower. Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the the, the body horror being really effective because I just think it's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, something like uh, I don't even like this movie that much, but something like a like a Black Swan is a little more effective to me because it starts with stuff that could happen to you. Like Mm. she gets like a hangnail and then she like rips off like a huge chunk of her finger skin and it's like really gross. That's the kind of stuff that when it comes to body horror wigs me out. Yeah. The stuff in the thing where it's this like alien spider head thing, it's never going to happen to anyone ever. (laughs) And so I'm able to to kind of like bypass
1: the body horror of it and just be like, those effects are really cool. (laughs) To me, it's like, I don't want to say it's Uncanny Valley, because obviously, I mean, there's nothing that's close to humanity, right. but it's like, it's this perversion of humanity okay. when the thing reveals itself, and that really unsettles me. Sure. Like, I think that that's what the horror comes from, is like seeing that this monster is like appropriating us, mm-hmm. but then like, it's like just mutated and gross in some way. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm overselling probably how gross it is in some ways. But right. Like, I mean, those effects still hold up. They us, still man. hold up, and I think that It works really well in the movie's favor in terms of you hate this thing and Mm -hmm. you want it to die but like at the same time you understand why it's so effective at controlling people and manipulating Mm.
0: them also one of the bleakest movies i've ever seen yes like talk about it ending on a bad ending like it's like spoilers for the 37 year old movie or whatever (laughs) it like uh 35 35 year old movie it, it just ends on this downbeat of like gonna get us eventually let's have some whiskey
1: yeah credits On the other hand, I think that maybe you can look at it as kind of a hopeful... Not hopeful, but it's a good ending in the sense that like, the two people who are left by the end of it, one of them could possibly be the the thing, Mm -hmm. um, maybe not. But they kind of just choose to sacrifice themselves for the greater good of humanity. Because if Mm -hmm. that thing gets out into the world, it will go and take over all of humanity. And they choose to kind of die with it, Mm -hmm. which I think is like a really hopeful ending that's too. true
0: and that's why it was never franchised the way you know some of Carpenter's other stuff was yeah um and it's just I don't know there, it, that movie just stands I mean, it's just solid like it's just built really
1: well mm-hmm. it's got know? a good ensemble cast mm-hmm. Kurt Russell's sweet in it yeah um, um, it's the effects still Wilford hold up Wilford Brimley mm-hmm. yeah Wilford Brimley he of diabetes fame yeah
0: yeah <laughs> yep uh oh what's his name david uh the guy that's alive with him at the end of the movie he was also
1: oh, yeah uh it's crap the guy who does like the voices for like everything yeah much. yeah
0: he's also in season six of community uh he's elroy um gosh what's his name david something i'm really bad at this tonight i'm usually on my game keith
1: david yes
0: yeah keith david's great in it um is uh is Harry Dean Stanton in this way? He's an alien. Harry Dean Stanton's an alien. Yes. Um, <clears throat> It's just really, really effective.
1: The score is great. An Eomor Kone score. A lot yes. of synth. Um, and it's a movie that does not feel like it was made in the 80s. Mm-mm. And partially I think it's because it's, like, shot, you know, in... Well, I mean, it's not really in Antarctica, but it's, like, in some cold remote place. So you don't get, like, these 80s trappings that yeah. instantly date a movie. Yeah. Um, so...
0: And everyone's just kind of, like, in parkas. Right. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it
1: feels like it's a movie that could still take place today, which is cool, mm-hmm. maybe barring, like, a couple hairdos or something like that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Right. And Kurt Russell's ridiculous hat. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> the first time I saw that movie, it's only, I only saw it for the first time in the last, like, year. I tweeted that I wanted to cosplay as Kurt Russell's hat in that movie, and then a Twitter account called Kurt Russell's hat liked the tweet, and I was like... I'm... Come on. Come on, man.
1: <laughs> um, but, you know, the heart of that movie, going in back into, like, the, the school project stuff, is, like, something that we all have a problem with, which is, like, who can you trust? Um, Trying to go and distinguish the good from the bad, mm-hmm. and, like, group dynamics. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is infinitely more interesting than just, like, you know, it's it being a slasher film.
0: Yeah. And, well, and it also is sort of a case against too many, too many chiefs, you know, yeah. like there, there's, everyone wants to be in charge because no one can trust anyone else. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what tears people apart. It tears right. the group apart is no one's willing to admit that they're maybe not cut out for leadership. <laughs> it's kind of
1: Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some yeah, way. yeah, yeah, for if, sure. If Lord of the Flies had an alien go and crash down on the yeah. island and then go and appropriate their forms. But so the better version of Lord of the Flies. <laughs> um, maybe that's the reason why I kind of like it too, because I always like the idea of Lord of the Flies. Um, like this kind of societal look mm-hmm. at like group politics and all that. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's a really solid movie, man.
0: It's, just, it's so well done, like top to bottom. And like, it's crazy because you know we talked about Halloween being kind of middling. I think I like it a little more than you, but like Big Trouble in Little China sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. sorry, that's a bad movie. Bad like, movie. I I watched that movie and was like, ah, I don't get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. I haven't seen They Live. Uh, seems like it sucks. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not super into. I'm not super into Carpenter, but that movie is. I mean, a straight up crown jewel of the horror genre. Yep. Um. Do you have any honorable mentions of, like, maybe not something you want to talk super in-depth of, but just something you really like?
1: I don't know if something I really like, but I saw this in the last year, okay? okay? And I'm not sure if I like it or I don't like it. Okay. Devil's Advocate. Oh, I've never seen that. Okay. That movie is crazy, man. <laughs> like, okay, first of all, spoilers, I'm a lawyer, okay, so, yeah. um, just so you know, uh, there's, and you already know, but the audience now knows, um... And this movie deals with, like a lawyer who's a defense attorney, and he's like representing like a really awful client. And then like crazy stuff starts happening to kind of advance him in his firm, and he starts getting like all these big opportunities. He's, he's like a Southern boy, and which is really bad to go and watch Keanu Reeves. Oh the, no! The, I did not know accent. he was supposed to be Southern yeah, in this movie. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, so anyway, um, and things keep on happening to work out for him really well and kind of rise farther in the firm mm-hmm. and the partner of the firm is Al Pacino right. who eventually we find out is Satan right and has been manipulating this course of events so that uh, Keanu Reeves' character will kind of rise up and maybe become like, so powerful and influential like a, become a senator someday um, and he can go and use him the, to create the Antichrist <laughs> good lord yeah and also Keanu Reeves is Lucifer's son. So, anyway... Yo! Yeah. And, but Did like, not know that. Yes. That's hilarious. Um, but, like, the, you don't realize this until, like, the last, like, 20 or 30 minutes. And then, okay. like, there's... he, uh, Keanu Reeves goes to uh, Satan's high-rise in New York, basically. And, like, Al Pacino just scenery chews. Yes. Like, he just... Eats the scenery Yeah, like he just goes and takes like the film reel out of the camera and just <laughs> consumes it <laughs> and it's incredible like great. it almost like it derails the movie mm-hmm. but it's also kind of the reason why you're there right um,
0: is it just like five minutes of she's got a great ass because
1: uh, that would be the best it's it, I mean like there's a part that comes pretty dang close to like him just doing that yes one of my
0: favorite pacino moments ever so i'm i'm on board yeah i'm on board
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh that's it's just full pacino at that point yes and um it's a worth a watch i'll say that and then you just and then the ending's kind of i don't know about this but it's interesting i'll say that and i still don't know if i liked it or hated it All right. Um,
0: I have two that I actually have been watching uh, this spooky season. Um, A lot of first-time watches for me this year. Uh, We did it... We were trying to do 31 Days of Horror, but uh, ran out of steam because we got busy. And, I mean, by night like 6, we were like, Oh, we didn't watch anything scary because we wanted to watch The Good Place. Uh, (laughs) So... Let's just watch the David S. Pumpkin sketch and call that our spooky Halloween thing. <laughs> um, so by night six, we stopped trying. Um, but we watched uh, Bride of Frankenstein, which is great. Uh, it's a sequel to Frankenstein, obviously. It's 75 minutes. Go watch it. Um, if you don't have a Shutter account, you can probably get like a week or two for free. They added six of the Universal uh, monster movies on there. And Bride of Frankenstein is one of them. Like I said, it's 75 minutes. It's a sequel to Br- to Frankenstein. Um, I've never seen the 1931 Frankenstein with... Um, gone. Karloff. Boris Karloff. But Karloff reprises his role in this one. It's an excellent movie. It takes the tragedy of Frankenstein and just ramps it to 11. Like, especially for a sequel that didn't need to exist. <laughs> um, really, really, really good movie. The Bride has like five minutes of screen time in it, but there's so much about the uh, the humanity of of the monster and, and just, it really gets into that sort of, um, n- like the nooks and crannies of what the monster has to deal with and how tragic of a character he is. It's awesome, really good. Uh, if you like Young Frankenstein, this is the movie that the scene where he goes to visit Gene Hackman comes from. Uh, also young is on Netflix and it's a freaking perfect comedy. And if you haven't seen it, go see it. And if you have seen it, go watch it again. Cause it's amazing. It's the best Mel Brooks movie. Hands down. Um, one of the only ones that holds up actually fight me. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, Oh, there's one on Netflix called the void. It's a kind of low budget, uh, Canadian horror movie that gets real weird. You got to get on board with that movie or get off the train. Cause it gets crazy. Um, sort of a, a Hellraiser-y vibe to it. Uh, it gets it gets uh it gets Lovecraftian and interdimensional by the end. So uh, spoilers. Uh, but I I had a great time watching that movie, just being like, what the f is going on? It felt like it felt like a no, like an a totally insane, unhinged episode of the Twilight Zone. Just like the most extreme Twilight Zone episode, though. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then Nasratu, uh, the 1925-22 German horror film. Uh, you know, um, we talked about horror movies being a societal response to whatever's happening. Definitely one of the movies that shaped post-World War I Germany. And some of the fears in the country around that. Honestly, one of the movies that led to uh, the Jews getting blamed for everything. Not that the movie is anti-Semitic in and of itself, mm-hmm. but Nasratu kind of like the 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 the, the Count um, Orlok character kind of looks like a proto version of the propaganda drawings of Jewish people from 1940s Germany. Mm. Um, not on purpose. Like I said, not the intent of the directors, I'm sure. Um, but kind of in hindsight, uh, you, you see where that came about. Um, I I mean, it's just great and it's got a great score. What you want to do is you want to pay for that one. There's a public domain version. It's not good. It's based off of a print from, uh, I think the New York Museum of Art, it's an American version of the movie. It do, It's not complete. First off, it's 15 minutes shorter than it should be. Mm. Uh, it should be an hour and a half. That version's an hour 15. There's no uh, color grading on it. It's all CP toned The original score is not preserved. It's been replaced with an organ score. Um, and some of the intertitles have been translated differently, so they don't have the same effect when they come across. So that's the version that, like, if you go and search on Amazon Prime or YouTube or Netflix... You can probably find it, but you don't want to watch that version. What you want to do is you want to pay for um, <clears throat> the Kino version. That's K-I-N-O from 2012. It's been cobbled together from a few different sources, and some of the intertitles that were too damaged from the original negatives have been just kind of recreated. Um, that's the version you want to see. It's got a re-recording of the score from, I think, the 70s or 80s. Um <clears throat> And it's, it's the original score that came with it, just a, uh, an updated recording of it. Uh, all the color gradation is still there. Um, it's the full cut of the movie. All the intertitles are there and properly translated. That's the version you want to see. So you can rent that on Amazon and Vudu and probably YouTube. I know they have their movie rental service. But yeah, make sure you're paying for that. Uh, Filmstruck also has it if you're subscribed to Filmstruck. Um, that's That's the version you want to see. And then finally, I'll leave you with this. I was able to see the Phantom of the Opera from 1925 on the big screen uh, in that same 1930s movie house where I saw Friday the 13th, accompanied by a live organ, projected from a hand-cranked projector. And uh, it's it's a restored projector from 1909 that was not restored with an automatic hand-cranker on it. A dude stood there for two hours and cranked that movie nice uh it's also also the the version is that i saw was kind of his own personal fan edit of the movie there's not actually a full edit of the movie intact anywhere except for this version um basically what happened is the movie got made in 1925 and uh was released And then in 1929, they remade it, but as a talkie. But they also released it as a silent movie, the talking version, but it didn't make sense. So then there ended up being like a recut of both of them together that was silent um, because some of the musical numbers didn't make any sense, obviously. (laughs) Um, And then in 1943, and then that was all lost in a fire. And then in 1943, some versions... um, surfaced that were uh, uh 16 millimeter show at home versions and uh it was 80 percent of the original movie but not all of it so this guy took several different prints of the 35 millimeter versions that are available of the 1925 version that's silent and the 1929 version that's the singing dancing version and the 16 millimeter uh show at home versions from the 40s and kind of put together... He also got a copy of the original 1920s shooting script and put together his own version of the movie based off the shooting script. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, it's great. It's really cool, man. Um, but because some of it is 16mm film blown up to 90, to 35mm, he had to crank it at different speeds. <laughs> um, and uh, also the, the masquerade scene in it is in Technicolor, which was, like, really rare. Um, It cost almost the entire budget of the rest of the movie. It cost $400,000 to shoot one sequence in Technicolor. Yeah. In $1925. Dang. Um, Yeah. And that, to get the colors right, they had to shoot at 15 frames per second. So you had to slow down to crank to 15 frames per second when that happened. It was crazy. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen, like, that a person could do that. Um, and it, there were no jumps in it outside of like the film itself. There was no, like the film didn't slow down too much or speed up too much or anything. It just, it played as smooth as your eye can process it. It was crazy. Cool. Yeah. It was a really, really, really cool experience. And, uh, if you haven't seen a silent movie in a movie theater with live accompaniment, go do it. It's the way to see them. It's the way they were meant to be seen. Uh, it's really fun. Don't be a D bag about it. Um, a lot of people were laughing in my screening because of how melodramatic it was and how over the top it was. And it was like, come like, yeah, of course, man, 50% of what you experience in a movie is missing the sound. You gotta convey it some other way. Mm -hmm. Don't be an a-hole about it. Come on. And just like people laughing at really inappropriate times and like constant commentary from the people behind us about the movie because i'm pretty sure they thought they were seeing the gerard butler version
1: (laughs) i can see that
0: um but yeah it was a really neat experience and really fun to do uh during this you know spooky season um we'll be back in two weeks to probably talk about thor ragnarok i'm pretty sure that's the next big thing that's yeah. going to be happening. Right?
1: Yep. Um, <clears throat> the next yeah. Marvel thing. Whatever. Yeah.
0: Uh, the next Space Jokes. Um, <laughs> give everyone one horror movie to watch uh, in this
1: season. The Devil's Advocate. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Jaws, if you haven't seen it.
0: Okay. Ooh. All right. Good one. Um, I'm going to go drag me to hell. I think everybody's a blast. Get some friends together on like a Saturday night on... The only Saturday night you have available between now and Halloween. Um, And watch that movie. It's a blast with a group of people. It's ridiculous. It's hilarious. It's so much fun. I love that movie. Um, Yeah, uh, we'll see you next time to talk about Thor uh, Ragnarok. That's the name of it. (laughs)